Welcome everyone to the Joelle Martin Mastery Podcast. I'm a networking expert and the author of the upcoming book, Know No Strangers, How to Build Community One Relationship at a Time. My why is the pursuit of mastery, and the goal of this podcast is to lock arms on a lifelong mission of daily personal growth to become the best version of ourselves. So let's dive in to today's episode. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the podcast. We are joined by two members of a band that have been nominated for a Juno Award. Uh, Their videos have close to 10 million views online and they just released their newest album. So welcome to the call, Phoenix and Mercedes of the band Courage My Love. How are you guys doing today? Hey, thanks so much. We're doing well. Just chilling. You know, we uh, we're kind of working in our home studio right now for <laughs> pandemic times. That's about it. How are you doing? I am good. Same thing. Just, you know, doing all the activities we can do from home. So focusing on nutrition and health. I started this podcast a few months ago, writing a book, just making the most of it, right? We get a, a chance to kind of slow down a bit and, and figure out, uh, you know, our, our, our purpose and our mission and what excites us. And for a lot of us, it allows us to kind of course correct if we were just blindly going in a direction before this. So I'm enjoying this. I, I know it's not easy for a lot of people. I hope things do go back to, to normal as soon as possible, but we make the best of it, right? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, we actually met a few years ago. I was working at Metalworks, number one recording studio in Canada. We brought you guys out to do kind of like an intimate interactive. So you were sharing your journey, you were playing a few songs. So let's dive into your journey. So it's been over a decade already that you guys have been a band. You got started in Kitchener and then all the way to today where you got a brand new album that you've released independently. So how do we get from there all the way here? It's crazy because I remember that day at Metalworks. That was so fun. And that was right when it was our second ever release, I think. But it wasn't, you know, it was like an acoustic version of our first ever EP. So I don't know. I guess it's like our first release, whatever. (laughs) We were teenagers. um, And since then, yeah, it's been pretty crazy. We were signed, you know, to Warner Music. That was a crazy, sick, wild ride. We've toured pretty much all over, like we've toured the States, we went to Japan, we've toured in Europe, in the UK, Canada, just like all over, lots of touring, um, and released a lot of stuff, you know, since then. Uh, and then what led to the whole independent move basically ended up being like, we really learned about um, the industry and there's like any industry there's good side and a bad side and uh, we basically ended up feeling like with our label we had like a great relationship with them and everything like that but it seemed like in the label world it's still super focused on radio and stuff like that and as you know like you're a musician radio is kind of like I feel like it's it's a dying platform kind of dying out yeah which is it's it's cool but it's like nowadays people are kind of making their own playlists and people are 
actively looking for music. They don't really need um, that sort of format anymore. And it's actually really difficult to uh, live in that radio format, A, if you're like a female artist, but B, if you're like doing music that doesn't fit a certain kind of mold, especially in Canada, there's like some kind of restrictions with certain things. Anyway, in case you couldn't tell by the tone in my voice, we were getting <laughs> frustrated. So we ended up deciding to release this EP, um, 100% independent. Um, Phoenix actually recorded it in our home studio. So she was the producer behind it. <laughs> and I got into the whole world of video stuff and we were filming music videos ourselves and you know editing them and everything. And it's just been a really crazy learning curve, pretty much, this whole experience. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, for, for most young bands, it's the dream to get signed to a major label. And what people don't know is that, you know, people assume you get signed and instantly you're going you're gonna to be rich and famous and the album's going to top the charts. And the truth is, a lot of artists that get signed to a major label never even end up releasing an album. And those that do release an album, it's, it's like 5% of the artists that, that have extreme success that pay the financial stuff for the other 95 that don't have that success. It's, it's when you get signed to a major label, that's awesome, but that's actually just the first step, right? Then you got to record an album. It's got to get released. Hopefully a single picks up at radio. Even if you put out a masterpiece, which happens frequently, it doesn't mean that it's going to be a success uh, without the right marketing, without the right, uh, uh, action plan so it's it, it's very difficult but what was what was the excitement when you originally got signed and then we'll focus more on on the independent scene what's going on now i mean it, it was exciting it still is exciting to me um that we had that experience but yeah i guess like when we were signed i think we were like 17 maybe so that was i don't know it was just exciting to know that our music was being distributed through a major label. We were signed to the same label as like Billy Talent and some of our favorite bands. And mm -hmm. um, so that was just like, I don't know, it was a big thing for us back then. Um, it, had, it had a lot of positives too. Yeah. It's not like it was all negative. Like it definitely, our team was great. Um, we only ever really got into butting heads in like the, a and R side of things because that's when it's kind of like we 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 did what like a lot of bands kind of they warn you about doing now like we signed a 360 deal so then it ended up being like very much i like ne neither of us care really about the business side of things that much but when it started being like a push and pull with the creative side of things that's when we kind of were like oh no okay this is what people, you know, like kind of warn you about. <laughs> but at the same time, our team was just an amazing group of people, very supportive. Everyone was sort of wanting the end result, the same end result, but just not necessarily agreeing on how to get there, if that makes sense. Yeah, signing to a major label, uh, you know, it, it's great because it tells you you're, you're uh, moving in the right direction, that, that um you know, you're building a fan base. People are noticing that that uh, your music, people like your music. So all of that is awesome. It's a, a feather in the cap, but again, it doesn't um, it doesn't 
mean that there's business success uh, behind that, which is difficult. So there's always, there's the, the uh, creative side and there's the business side. And it, it's tough because you need both. And sometimes as a musician, you're more the creative type, right? You love to write, you love to record, you love to tour, you love to perform. And then unfortunately, there's a whole business side uh, that's that's a part of that. So for anyone that's on the call that um, isn't familiar with a 360 deal, uh, back in the day, labels would make their money almost exclusively from album sales, right? Um, albums were selling 5 million, 10 million, 20 million copies, and you can make a ton of money. And artists would actually go out on tour just because there'd be more album sales. And since then, everything's reversed. There's not a lot of album sales and uh, people actually release albums just to raise awareness that someone's going on tour so that there's more people that go and they can charge more uh, for their tickets. So a 360 deal is instead of a label just getting money from the album sales, they actually get paid 360 from your ticket sales, your merchandise, your uh your album sales and all that. So it, it was a weird period of time when they introduced 360 deals because as artists, you were saying, whoa, 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 you should only get a part of this. And as a label, they're saying, well, we invested all this money in you guys. We need to make it back. And, and albums aren't making enough to, to recoup and to be profitable. So you can understand it from both sides, but as an artist, it's kind of alarming, right? When that, uh, when that first happened. So now you guys are independent, which means you you run the show you make the decisions and i've noticed you guys have done a great job building a, a fan base online you've been able to use social media to really connect with people to get your music out to stay in touch uh, to build those communities like I mentioned, 10 million views on YouTube. Uh, looks like you have over 100,000 likes and followers on the different sites. How did you guys start creating that fan base and that momentum online? Did that come naturally uh, or, or did you have to kind of study that area? It's, it's funny because when we started using social media, it, it was pretty much like Twitter had just kind of come up. Been around for like maybe a few years, but it wasn't anything what it is now yeah you know? was uh myspace happening back then it was myspace it, was was everything it was, it was on its way out but yeah I, we definitely had a myspace it was already sort of starting to like go Decline. down but we, we like we didn't never really studied anything at least we didn't maybe our managers did but we mostly just kind of tried to like i don't know film like studio videos and film just kind of like content um that we thought would be interesting and just put it out and like show i guess the like our personalities and like that side of us and i think in the beginning that's probably what helped us gain those followers because that's pretty much all that content is really good for is kind of like showing your true self to it's, people it kind of sucks that now it is sort of like everybody is trying to play that game and everybody is just trying to you know, capitalize off of the content that they make. So it's almost lost that personal feeling in a sense. Because in the beginning, we were just not thinking about any of that kind of stuff. It literally was just like, oh, how can we connect to people in like Brazil and like, you know, all over the world, you know, without touring there, how are we going to engage those fans and kind of get to know that side of our fan base? And social media, that's one thing that it's really awesome for is that you get to reach people all over the world and you can 
um, engage with your fans that way. Um, so yeah, we still try and keep our use of social media as pure as possible and just make it about the fan interactions and stuff like that. Um, but it's, yeah, again, it's just been a crazy learning curve. Like, uh, cause every year it's like new platforms rise up and you kind of have to figure out how your, it's your TikToks and your Snapchats oh, yeah. and we're not on the TikTok yeah, thing see, yet. <laughs> we we slacked on TikTok and I, I didn't I honestly didn't think it was gonna be as massive as it is now. And now I'm trying to figure out like, okay, how can I use TikTok without making like cringy challenge videos and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah. I have to figure out how it's gonna work for me. <laughs> I, I have a friend that's a, that's a professional dancer and um, she's been doing courses online, how to use TikTok to build your brands. And I, I messaged her and I said, all I've seen from TikTok are like people dancing, like making dance videos. I said, I'm not a dancer. Is there any way for me to use it to reach an audience? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. And she was telling me, you know, she was telling me to hop on one of her trainings. So I don't know what the secrets are yet, but apparently at least as a musician, uh, there's a way you could build an audience there without having to dance like Britney Spears or something. Yeah, or Something like, crazy. I think like anything else, like, it's sort of like you have to realize what your intent behind it is going to be. And at the end of the day, instead of you conforming to what the platform is, even, you know, with your art or whatever it is that you do, don't conform it to whatever your, that platform is. You just use that platform to showcase you. So to showcase your art and stuff like that. And I think that's an important lesson that, um, that, yeah, I guess I wish a lot of creators would kind of realize is it's like, it's not about the platform. It's about you. Gotta showcase you. <laughs> Absolutely. And since you guys have done the new album independently, have you found that you have your own strengths, each of you? And, and you know, maybe one of you is doing more of the production, one of you is doing more of the writing, maybe you're both doing the promotion. Have you kind of found your own roles of your strengths and your weaknesses? Oh, very much so. Like, I've, I've always been um, not the one to make like business decisions and like the more like, I'm just not a super rational person. I'm way, I get very, I get emotional like really fast. So I'm lucky because where I'm weak, Sadie's is strong and she's able to keep like a level head. So when it comes to like- And vice versa. Yeah. But like, for, I know for me, even when we were dealing with like getting out of our record contract and stuff, I kind of- I, I let her kind of like take the lead and figure out all that stuff just because I, I got way too like heated about that stuff. But, but you're, Phoenix is taking the reins when it comes to um, our production. So like I, I mentioned, Spectra was 100% produced by Phoenix, um, recorded, engineered, everything, which is awesome. You know, it, it's something that I guess we've always wanted to do and it's been a really fun exercise in doing that. And I feel like it's turned out the way that we wanted it to. And we're just so much more attached to this one because we really had to build it from the ground up ourselves. And it's been a good lesson for us because we realize how much work goes into these things behind the scenes. And, you know, it is like a big, um, like a lot of, effort just goes into everything we do now and so I think we have a new appreciation for the process because and of that it's cool because Sades uh like I, I took care of the I guess like the production on the album but Mercedes did all the visuals for the album so all the videos 
some of the art concepts, like all of that stuff that was more like what she worked on. So yeah, it's cool. We kind of like split ourselves in half that way. The, uh, so the album is called Spectra. It's seven songs. It clocks in at about 22 minutes. So anyone that's listening to this episode, I would suggest going to, uh, you know, maybe Spotify and having a listen. Uh, I, I've listened to it probably five times in the last two weeks to, to really soak it in. And I, I love it. And the, the fact that you, you know, recorded it uh, in your, your own studio, you did it yourselves. It sounds like a major label album. It sounds amazing. So congratulations. I went to school for audio engineering, so that's my world. Uh, so yeah, I was impressed. It sounded great. And uh, it looks like you've got music videos for about at least four of the seven songs. And you're saying that you actually filmed those videos as well? Yeah. So, and thanks so much for saying that. I really appreciate it a lot. Um, yes, we did. We independently made all the music videos. So. And that was a really fun uh, process as well, because I learned a lot about what it takes to organize and facilitate and, you know, find the locations, everything from like the wardrobe, you know, I, on one of the videos, I ended up sewing the wardrobe myself and stuff. <laughs> so I really like have a newfound appreciation for people who, who do that. And um, yeah, in fact, there's actually a fifth video that we have coming out. Um, in a couple days actually on June 5th and we uh, actually ended up filming that one and editing it during the lockdown so that one is super interesting because we didn't have like a set or actors or anything like that we literally just had to do it literally in-house <laughs> so it's uh, I'm excited for that one to come out too just so people could kind of see see that one Awesome. Yeah, the, the videos look amazing. Um, I haven't made music videos in, in a while, but if ever I need a video made, whether it's for music or, or uh, personal growth or any of those things, I'm, I'm going to be thinking of you for, for, for video production. So I don't, know, I don't know if you do it for anyone outside of yourself, but I'm, I'll be thinking about you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, 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 that's my, my goal too, is to get more into that world it kind of started as a necessity just for the band and then i would love to do it for other people you know as a freelance artist and i know how to make a video look pro for very little money so <laughs> that, that is a skill for sure so you have your music videos for four out of the seven songs uh there's a fifth video on its way how do you choose which songs are, are, are going to be the singles and, and how do you choose which is released in what order? What goes through your head? It was, it was weird for <laughs> this EP because we kind of just like, we had like a core group of songs. I guess it was like three songs we had finished um, around the same time. And so then those were the ones that obviously we made videos for first and we kind of released them first, but the rest of the EP, it kind of happened in order like we as we were finishing music we were releasing it which honestly like that's like the model i think that we want to go after now that we have that freedom to do that it's like really freeing to know like you can work on a song and then a couple months later it'll come out versus like oh i'm working on this song it might come out two years down the line who knows mm -hmm. like yeah. and it was easy in this case because most of the time in the past we've had to have 
you know, meetings with our team and figure out what song they think is going to work for a number of reasons. Like what song's going to work the best at radio? What song do people feel like is going to have the best shot at playlisting? Yeah, like opportunities. Mm -hmm. But for this one, we didn't do that at all. We literally are planning on making videos for every single song on the EP. Uh, So yeah, I think in our case now, we just want to stand behind all of the songs and none of, you know, even if there isn't like a standalone single that kind of carries the EP, we feel that if we just put out really good videos for all of them and the songs themselves are solid, then um, we don't need to pick like a lead single on the EP. We'll just do it for all of them. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's uh, the way to promote an album has changed for sure. It's not, you know, an album selling just based on one single. I mean, if the whole album is solid like this one is, you want to get all the music out, right? Because you believe in it and as a, as a, as a package. So sometimes you get an album where there's one or two good songs, the rest is all filler. And uh, those you'd have to promote with just one or two singles because <laughs> the rest of the stuff isn't going to hold up. What, what has the response been like so far for the album? It looks like you're averaging like 34,000 listeners a month on Spotify alone, and there's a lot of other platforms. So what has the response been like so far? And uh, do you find that you're, you're, you're getting the album in front of the, the uh, audience that you're looking for? Um, it's been good actually so far. I think part of it, um, it might be because like our current fan base knows that this is an independent release. So they're really like trying to support it as much as they can. Um, but also I feel like the band's style has changed so much over the course of our career or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think like, I don't know, I think this EP was just one that kind of came not not completely back to the beginning, but it kind of incorporated more of those elements that people originally listened to us for in the beginning. So I don't know, I think that might be part of it. So far, it's been a pretty good response. And it's been fun doing it ourselves, like I keep saying, because I just feel so much more connected to the process, almost like I did when I was 17 at the very beginning, you know. Um, like, for example, we had all these merch bundles and we, uh, you know, designed the merch ourselves. We were shipping it out ourselves. Um, we did some bundles with signed EPs. And for each EP, we also had a little postcard with a personalized note to each fan. Um, so it was fun doing that ourselves and kind of going down the list of people, seeing some familiar names and some that we didn't know. and seeing what parts of the world they were going out to. And it just makes it a lot more real and you're just like so much more connected to it, you know? So I, that's it's, it's, it's your baby, this project. Yeah, yeah, totally. I love it. What's, what's it like being in a band together as, as sisters? And do you have any advice for people that are looking to maybe start a band with a sibling or even a, a, a business because it, it changes dynamics? Oh, I mean, you guys seem to get along, or at least for right now, anyways. <laughs> no, we do get along. I mean, that's like, I guess, being in a band together, it's a blessing. I feel like it's a blessing, especially when we were, like, touring heavily, because I know if one of us was out on the road without the other one, we'd get super homesick and, like, I don't know. We've never spent more than, I don't know, like, two weeks apart. Yeah. We're just, think. like, we're, Phoenix and I are 
um, connected in so many ways. And I honestly feel like she's just like, I wouldn't want to do this with anyone else. And so long as we have each other, we will just keep going and keep creating and doing things for the rest of our lives. Like our goal is to make a studio and record other artists down the line and just kind of, you know, really build something together even outside of the band. So I would say my advice would be, um, it doesn't have to be a sibling, but find someone that you really enjoy creating with and that you think understands you on that creative level um, that you're on the same page with and they can just really complete your creative sentences in a way, you know, mm. uh, because that'll make your life a lot easier. You don't want to be butting heads or like kind of confused about where you want to go with things. So find that person um, when you found them, just be, really honest with each other so that you can just be on the level and respect each other's opinions, everything like that. And just see what happens, man. Like it's been awesome for us getting to have this experience together for sure. Even though that was, that was music advice or business partnership advice, that sounded like good, good dating advice, finding, finding your partner. So uh, you, so everyone listening can use that as dating advice as well. So there's also another band member. So you have a bass player, his name's Brendan. Uh, how does he come into the picture? This is years ago, right? He's been in the band for a long time now. Oh yeah. He's yeah. like, he's honestly like our brother from another mother. It's yeah. awesome. He like, we, we had a bass player prior to him. Well, you know, because he, like our, our old bass player, David, was playing with us at Metalworks when, when we would have met you, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so Brandon is uh, come since then. And yeah, I guess like when we were like in the process of looking for a new bass player, we knew Lockwood because he was just playing in like metal bands and stuff in Kitchener. And we always thought he had like a really good stage presence. He was a chill guy. And then, yeah, when we started, we kind of asked him if he wanted to jam. And, like, he just showed up at uh, the jam space, like, nice and early and was, like, with coffees for everyone. And he was like, hey, guys, so uh, what's going on here? Like, what, what are we talking about? <laughs> and he's just, like, since then, he's always just been that guy that's, like, down for whatever. Just Motivated. Want, yeah, he's, like, like, a good team player. And he, in a lot of ways, when Sades and I get really frustrated, he's the one that kind of lifts us up and helps us get to the next step without getting too frustrated. So yeah, he's like, uh, in like spinal tap terminology, he's the lukewarm water between the fire and the ice. <laughs> That's amazing. And if, if you are more uh, of the emotional one, does that mean um, that someone else is, is more of the, the logical side? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all, we're all pretty emotional, which is funny. All, all pretty emo, I guess, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all get emo. I, th I think, like, of the three of us, probably Sades and Lockwood are the most uh, logical, like, when it comes to, like, bad situations happening. And then yeah. I'm probably the most, I freak out the most. I, don't, I, wouldn't say, I, think, I think it's, like, we all have strengths that complement each other, you know? So it's, it, it, it makes up a good team that way, you know? So we're, we're happy to have him. When we go out on tour, the three of us take care of each other and we enjoy working together. So it goes back to what I was saying before. Just find that team, make it work with the right people. You'll be fine. <laughs> so so talk, talking about teams, how important is it to find 
um, to find mentors, uh, to surround yourself with the right people that have the same vision as you, uh, having the same goals as you. Uh, in the case of mentors, you know, someone that's already had the success that you're looking for, they can show you what pitfalls to avoid. They can show you, um, you know, how to collapse timeframes. Uh, I know as a, as a young kid wanting to be a successful musician living in a small town, you know, I can wake up and tell myself day after day, you know, someday it's going to happen. I just got to keep working towards it. But if I've never met anyone that's actually had that success, there's a part of you that, that, that doesn't know if it's even possible from a small town to have success. But then if you go and you meet someone that's been nominated for a Juno or signed to a major label or uh, has been touring, you go, wait, that's, that's a human being. That's a real person. They've already done what I'm looking to do. It is possible. And if I get to know them and I ask them questions, uh, maybe they can guide me to, to achieve what they've achieved. So have you, have, any, have you had any mentors in your history that have really helped you along the way or even surrounding yourself with the right team of you know, managers or booking agents or promoters or any of those? Oh, man. Absolutely. Our, yeah. It's funny, as you were talking about all that, I, in my mind immediately, like, our, we have two managers and they both, uh, before they managed us, they were musicians themselves. One was um, Nicole Hughes from Scratching Post. Um, and then the other is Chris Perry. And he was in a band called An April March. And they, so they both, I guess, seen that side of the industry. They've been, like Nicole, her situation in the band was really similar to ours where she got signed and then the label kind of like collapsed and then she had to kind of rebuild her brand and like the, the her band kind of again. Um, they understand what it's like from an artist perspective, but at the same time, they know what it takes. Like through their own experience, they've learned how the industry works and they've learned what works and what doesn't work and they have that sort of radar to stay away from um the bad side of the industry which i think must have been really valuable when we first met them because we were only like 16 17 when we first met them uh and so for them to kind of be down to take on some like young teenage girls to and like guide them through the industry it almost feels like they were like our music mom and dad in yeah. a sense you know and so they've kept the they've kept an eye on us this whole time they've been really helpful from everything to like our sound to like designing a dope live show and like you said you know pushing us forward because you can tell yourself one day it's gonna happen one day it's gonna happen but unless you have those people in your life that are actively pushing you to do it or to show you how to achieve it it doesn't really go anywhere so they've been a really integral part in our journey as a band for sure they've, they've been through the trenches and they made it out the other side with a little bit of experience and advice that they could share with you guys uh, it, it's been a journey for you guys from you know the day where you picked up an instrument to where you are today where you guys play multiple instruments you guys have solid vocals and harmonies and and on stage you guys are confident you know what you're doing uh, that doesn't just happen that that takes time that takes commitment dedication uh probably some lessons practice uh, what advice would you give uh some some newer musicians on how to how to perfect their craft and and, and become professionals as well hmm. so 
we were really lucky because our parents also are a huge part of um, how we've decided or how we've gotten into this life, you know, like neither of them were musicians, but from a really young age, they got us into music lessons early. Um, so we are classically trained in a lot of instruments and stuff. And um, it's helped us understand the discipline that it takes in terms of practice. Uh, that would be probably my advice because now I'm a music teacher, you know, in my off time, that's what I do. So I would say, make sure that you have the drive, just really focus on what you want and don't just think, oh, okay, it's good enough. I can kind of squeak by and get by. You need to be on yourself to reach that level. Don't just be the best in your area or the best of your friend group or whatever. Be the best musician or artist that you can be and the only person who can push you to do that at the end of the day is yourself i it's funny because i actually i remember um realizing this kind of like people always kind of pit other bands with females against each other like it's a competition but then i think like the way we've always tried to look at it is we're not competing with other females in the industry or other bands in the industry we're competing with ourselves mm -hmm. so we want to try to like be the best that we can be and like you know constantly push ourselves to be better and i think it's important for anyone in life but especially for like young musicians is to really just try to like learn and like develop your craft very important <laughs> it's it said that comparison is the thief of joy so yeah. you're normally comparing uh someone else's best you know uh or what yeah basically people are presenting themselves as their absolute best and you're only seeing that you're not seeing the 10 years uh, of hard work to get to that point so you might be three years into your journey comparing to someone's absolute best day 10 years later and that that comparison that that'll rob you of any joy because even if you are amazing at what you do there's always someone better it's just not everything is equal and you want to compare yourself to who you were yesterday if you are better today than you were yesterday then you're on the the right path and like you mentioned that's the only person you should be comparing yourself to now you uh, you mentioned that you're you're uh, a music teacher as well um so you know, COVID and self-isolation has really changed things for the last few months. And it's, it's hit musicians harder than a lot of people because musicians make most of their money from touring, playing concerts and festivals. Uh, so how, how has it changed your career as a musician the last couple of months? And how have you adapted to self-isolation and basically having to do everything from home or online? Well, I mean, it has been bad in the sense that we did have a lot of touring plans this year. You know, since the EP came out, we're actually supposed to be on tour right now. Um, we were supposed to go to Europe and the UK. We were supposed to go to the USA. And so that's been disappointing, you know, working for a lot of last year planning these things and now they're postponed. Um, but at the same time, that's just the way it is right now, you know? Uh, so the way we've been adapting is we've been really trying to use this time in a way that we're not going to regret, like, wasting this downtime because we probably won't have this much downtime again for a very long time. So we've been writing and recording every day. 
like I said, we filmed a music video uh, that we're going to release really soon. And we also have been trying to do a lot of online performances in lieu of the venue performances. So that's been really fun. On Instagram, we've, we were doing them like a few times a week, actually. And now we've kind of chilled out and slowed down a little. Uh, we just did a COVID benefit concert online yesterday. So that was fun. And learning how we can adapt to that in the meantime, um, which has helped us kind of understand our gear a lot more too and how we can set it up for live streaming and everything. So, you know, like you said, this the whole situation with the lockdown has sort of sparked, I think, a lot of people to be creative and to follow um, some passions or hobbies that they never had time to do before. And we're seeing that too. Like the first thing that we wanted to do since we've been home was like, all right, let's get back in the studio. Let's write and record. Uh, and I think a lot of people, creative people are going through the same, the same thing right now. So It's kind of nice that you guys are in, in isolation together because you can still perform and you got multiple instruments and you got harmonies. So uh, I think that's pretty cool because sometimes the musicians are split and they're, they're each on Zoom, but there's kind of, there's a little bit of a delay. It's hard for the timing to be perfect for multiple uh, musicians in different locations. So you guys kind of have the sweet spot where you're together and you can still do those, those online performances. Do you think that the world is going to go back to normal or do you think there's going to be a new normal and, and things are going to be different? Uh, I mean, as a musician, you know, it's hard to imagine 20,000 people in an arena for a concert, at least in the near future. So do you think things are going to change and what is it going to look like out there for a musician in the future? I think that, um, I don't think things will go back to the way they were at least not for a long time it's like not a secret everybody knows that like festivals and those big kind of arena concerts is probably going to be the, one of the last things to come back um but um just with everything that's going on in the world i don't think things should go back to normal to normal because what we had before wasn't normal and i think that there's there's definitely room for improvement in a lot of things in society we're seeing right now with what's happening in the states and i guess like across the world um with the black lives matter movement we're seeing that change is necessary it's been necessary so i don't while like there's a lot of things about life that was pre-pandemic that i want to go back to there's a lot of things that i think we shouldn't go back to and i think we need to like find a better way of doing things within society and the community um, and even the concert industry, I think there's a lot of things we can improve. Um, and so, yeah, like right now, I guess we're all kind of mourning um, the industry that we knew. But I think that there will be hopefully a better normal to come back to after all of this. Like the travel industry is likely to change and that will affect touring bands, you know. But human beings adapt. So I yeah. think you know, we'll just adapt with whatever we have to do to push forward. It happened after 9-11, you know, when the, with planes and stuff, no one wanted to have to go through the security measures that now are just normal for us at the airport, you know? So I think maybe in that sense, things are going to change, but the spirit of concerts and live music, I don't think that's going to go away. You know, people are already trying to find ways of making it work with drive-in concerts and stuff like that. So 
I'm sure we'll, we'll find something that works and it will be fine, if not better than it was before. I think a lot of good is going to come from this period of time. And, uh, you know, things are starting to open up a little bit. Uh, some some sports like the UFC are already back and they just don't have a crowd. So it's just broadcast online. So you're still getting the sport minus the in-person experience. Uh, I had a musician a few few episodes ago on the podcast his name's Matt Zaddy and he's actually been performing a little bit during the pandemic they have ways where you know the the uh the old folks home where they have them set up outside and everyone is is very much you know isolated and and he, him as a musician's on the other side of the parking lot so he's found a way you know kind of a first step of still being able to perform live and and make a living and um, you know, I guess maybe policies are going to be put into place where uh, venues can only be at half capacity and, and you know, maybe they're, they're wiping everything down and people have, I'm not sure, but uh, things all, you know, start to go back piece by piece and maybe with a vaccine, everyone's more comfortable. Uh, we'll, we'll get there, but it'll take time. Um, how, after, you know, you guys have been together for how long now? 11 years? Something like that, yeah. Our first, I think it's been maybe 10 years because at, our first ever release came out in 2011, but we were, you know, jamming and writing and stuff before that. So, mm. so yeah, it's been a long time. How, how do you keep this fun after all that time? I know as a musician, there's a daily grind and, and, and there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of rejection. You get used to rejection, uh, in a, in a lot of different ways. It makes you tougher and, uh, it, it, you end up getting good at business because you're, you're, um, not afraid of rejection and you go for what you want. So there's a lot of great lessons as a musician, but how do you keep this fun? It looks like you guys are having a blast and, and you're very excited about having a new album and, and about the future. How is this still fun after all this time? Um, it's just like, I don't know, I, I, at least for Sades and I, I don't think we could really see ourselves doing anything else mm -hmm. with our lives. So it's, it, it's fun when you're creating and you're writing and you feel like you're just kind of like, it's like an extension of yourself in a way. So like, regardless of if we were doing it with this band or this project or anything, I think it's just something that throughout life is part of us. So I mean, I don't know. It's fun. It's more fun than working any other sort of job, you know? It's like a passion to do. Like most people have to grind and do jobs that they hate just to get by. And so we're really lucky and blessed to be able to do something that is, like Phoenix said, it's a creative part of who we are. Um, we get to express ourselves that way. It's very cathartic and it feels... It feels like it shouldn't be a job. It feels like it's fun for us to do because we love it. So I think it's important, again, to just find something that you truly enjoy doing. And you don't mind when things get hard and when challenges arise because um, you enjoy the hustle. You enjoy the grind. So that hasn't changed, you know, since we were 17 to now. We're 26. It's like that really hasn't changed for us. We still enjoy the grind. and. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine what else I would be doing anyway. So <laughs> the uh, the musician Sting has said that music is its own reward. He was at an award show and he was saying it's nice to win an award, but uh, music itself—if if you can fall in love with the work itself, 
just like you guys. You love the actual um, writing of music and recording and releasing and touring. If you can, if if the reward itself can be the work, that's where. Uh, you can withstand the ups and downs because you're enjoying the process instead of just a destination that never really comes. Cause when you get to that destination, you're now looking at the next one after that. Um, so, you know, on, on, on the topic of awards, you guys have been new, uh, have been nominated for a Juno award. Uh, that was for breakthrough group of the year. I'm actually a judge for the Juno Awards, uh, not not for Breakthrough Group of the Year. So that wasn't me that was a part of that. Uh, normally, it's for Songwriter of the Year uh, that, that I'm a judge for. But uh, what is it like being nominated for a Juno? You guys were also on the cover of Canadian Musician Magazine. Uh, you were labeled one of the top 100 bands you need to hear by uh, Alternative Press Magazine. All those accolades are amazing. What does that mean uh, for you? Uh, when you get that kind of recognition it's like um it, it's nice it's it, i mean it obviously validates what you're doing and you know helps you whenever you're having like a down moment you can think back to like you know i don't know other people recognize the work other people recognize what i'm doing um and i don't know it's it's a nice little thing to look back on you know now even like some of those things that we like the Juno Awards and all that stuff. It's something that I'll never forget in my life. So I don't know. It's nice to have memories of that. But it's kind of like, I, I definitely agree with what Sting said. It's like, all that stuff is really nice. It's like icing on the cake, I guess. Mm -hmm. But the cake itself is definitely like being in the studio, writing the music, performing the music, all of that stuff. It's that, that it's like those awards kind of, I don't know, they're, they're not, to me, they're not as important as the actual art itself and creating that art. And we don't do it, like, as much as I um, I enjoy those moments. Like going, like, going to the Junos was such an amazing experience for us as a band and as individuals. It was like, wow, like, we're, we're, we're actually doing something that people care about. That's, I think, what it felt like. It's like, wow, okay, it's reached a certain level now. Um, but yeah, at the same time, I don't think you should go into it seeking that specific thing and doing like making music in hopes of, okay, I'm doing it. And then this album, if it doesn't get a Juno award, then all my work was for nothing. You know, I think you should really um, enjoy what you do, like you said, and just do it for the right reasons. Do it because you love it. And if it ends up getting those types of accolades, then you know that you deserve it. So you should <laughs> enjoy that too. <laughs> you guys must have been teenagers when you got nominated for a Juno then, I would think, no? Yeah, I think we were, we were either 18 or 19. We were maybe 20. Maybe 20, because we did go to some after parties. So we were, <laughs> we were of drinking age, let's say. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's funny. You guys are so young. That means that uh, you got lots of time for, for another Juno Award, maybe a Grammy Award. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll spread the word about this new album and we'll, we'll, see, we'll see where it takes off. Now, um, do you have a favorite memory from this, this musical journey? It, right now when I say, hey, favorite memory, is there anything for each of you that just jumps out as, as being super special? That's hard. There's a lot of... A few favorite memories, maybe. Yeah, because it, it's tough. Like, there's not one necessarily that is the best I've ever had. But I know, um, for me personally, just being 
uh, kind of selfish. I've loved um, Fender guitars my whole life. Ever since I first started playing guitar, they've been my favorite brand. <clears throat> and um, our managers called me one day and told me that we got an endorsement from Fender and all my favorite wow. guitar players and artists that I really, really, really look up to play Fender. So for me, that was another moment where I was like, I felt like um, it was just a dream, you know, coming to fruition. So it's a, it's kind of lame that an endorsement is like a highlight. I understand, but no, that's awesome. As a guitar player, I can appreciate that. Yeah, I, they're just so awesome. Like I love them, and um, I think going to Japan was really sick. I was gonna say that's maybe mm -hmm. one of my favorites because I remember we played this show and then like people were singing back our lyrics to us, and I'm like they're singing them back in English, and it's just like insane. I'm like, wow, we're on the other end of the world, and people are like singing our lyrics back to us you know it's it's pretty crazy that was like a big moment for sure it's hard to pick a favorite though because and this sounds really corny but i am i mean it 100 percent from the heart every time that moment happens in a new city a new country where there's fans that come out and they they have a favorite song like one of our songs is their favorite song and one of our lyrics is like tattooed on them somewhere or something like that it's like it just brings me back to when we were teenagers and we would have been like freaking out if anyone got our lyrics tattooed on them or, you know what I mean? It's like, anytime it happens now, I think it's important to remember what a teenager version of you would have thought of that and, mm -hmm. and been just floored by it, you know? So any, any type of reaction like that that we get from fans is super rewarding. When you look back at your decade-long career, uh, can you think of the the biggest mistake that you made? You know, in 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 music, is there a biggest mistake that you've made um, that you you really learned from? It ended up being a learning experience. And then on the other side of it, is there something that you can think of that was the smartest thing that you guys have ever done that has allowed you to uh, get to where you are today with your success? I think this is a kind of general, but it's a mistake that we made a lot um, a couple of years ago. And it was just not really trusting ourselves, like kind of having a gut reaction that was like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if that's really me or like, I don't know if I like where this is going, but kind of just letting it go that way because we thought, oh, well, you know, if someone else who is a lot more knowledgeable in this is telling me to do it or whatever, then we should probably just do it, right? And for the most part, that's a good thing. You should take advice from people that you respect and that have more knowledge than you. But I think when it comes to your creative vision or when it comes to people trying to tell you who you are as an artist, no one can really tell you that. You have to tell them who you are. And so I think we... At a, we reached a point in our career where we had a lot of different people who saw us in a lot of different ways and they tried to tell us, you know, who we should try and be as artists. And it, it didn't really help even if they meant it in a helpful way. And I'm not blaming them for that. I'm going to blame myself for that because I got confused and kind of forgot who I wanted to be as an artist. So I honestly think that was probably... Um, my biggest mistake was not listening to myself and following this course that I wanted to be on. Um, 
And the good that came out of that was now that we're doing things more independently and really we have to listen to ourselves and we have to advocate for ourselves and show people this is who we are, you know, and um, yes, take advice, but take everything with a grain of salt and only go for things if it feels right with your, you know, vision of who you want to be as an artist. Learning, learning to trust your instincts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And not your instincts aren't always going to be right. Um, but, but if you make the mistake, you won't be mad at anyone yeah, else. Yeah. That's you'll be a mad. good point. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So that's, that's the, uh, the biggest mistake and what you learned from it. And uh, can you think of the, the smartest thing you've done? Maybe it's, it's trusting that instinct and now doing things on your own, but go ahead if you have another answer. I think, yeah, like maybe the smartest thing, we ever did it's really hard to say but I think for me it's not like it's a smart thing to do necessarily but I just think it's like important to an artist's career is to really build a strong fan connection care about the people that are freaking coming to your show spending money at your show like even if it's like you're you come to a city and there's only like 20 people that show up at the show it's like those 20 people are the only people that care about you in that city. You need to put on the best possible show you can for them, you know? So like that kind of mentality, I think it's important. And I think it maybe has gotten us to where we are because if you're, I feel like if you're genuine and you talk to people genuinely, then your the people that care about your music will grow and they'll genuinely care about you as an artist not oh is this band the hot band of like the month or the year if you want to be a career artist it's not about just rising to the top uh you really have to make those personal connections with people i mean like look at us right now we met you years ago and now we're talking today and it's like it's because Um, we both appreciate the other person and what they do and who they are. And I think it's important to go through your life like that. Really be thankful to the people that have helped you on the way up because you'll probably see them again on the way back down. (laughs) So just be, be, um, like Phoenix said, really put the work into your personal relationships. That's probably the smartest and most rewarding thing you can do as an artist. That's some great advice. Now, uh, there are a lot of musicians, there are a lot of talented musicians, but not everyone has achieved the success that you've achieved. Normally at this point in the podcast, I'll ask a guest, a guest, what traits do, do they have in themselves that have gotten them to where they are? Now there's two of you. So maybe you could say, you know, the, the traits that the other person has that has allowed you to get where you are. I like that. That's cool. Um, now is, you could say nice things about your sister. This, now's the time. Now it's all good. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> this is a very uh, meticulous person. So um, things get hard, you know, especially I'll use her producing as an example. She had to teach herself um, and that comes with its own set of challenges, but she never just took like good enough and let things, she never put something out that she thought was mediocre or that was just okay, like just good enough to get by. She works really hard to try and create what she hears in her head and not settle for, oh, it's close enough type thing. 
And I think, especially when you're doing things yourself and you are representing yourself to the world, that's a really important quality because you are, um, you're basically the quality control on everything that you do. Uh, so I think that's gotten Phoenix to where she is and gotten our band to where we are, um, especially right now because our music is out there and it's speaking for itself. And like, you know, when people find out that it was self-produced and recorded and everything, they're impressed. So I think, uh, yeah, that quality in you has... Oh, that was sweet. <laughs> well, okay, so for Sadie's, if I may be so bold, um, not she like, one thing I really appreciate, appreciate about Sadie's is that she's always down to try new ideas. She always wants to expand on something even if at first none of us really know how to do it you know and I'm guilty of kind of being like oh well I don't know how to do that let's not do it but Sadie's will kind of be the one that will take the time to set it up to learn to figure out how to do something she does it with our videos all the time like a big part of it is figuring out how to execute something so that we can do some crazy effects or do some crazy um you know Thing in the video and she she does that in music too there's lots of times when I feel like she pushes um, our music to be the best that it can be because she's willing to experiment and try new things and you know like just push herself as an artist and push us as a band um, and also yeah just when it comes to like the business side of things she is really level-headed and she she will you know not take she she won't just settle on certain things like she'll really try to understand things and and make sure that we all understand so i don't know it's an, it's definitely a clutch person to have in the band <laughs> well thank you <laughs> oh that was sweet i feel like we just had a moment there so we 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 are shockingly coming uh up to the halfway mark of the year already um do you, do you guys have a vision for the rest of 2020? Have you maybe set some goals uh, that you're working towards? It's hard to say because like most people don't really know what's going to happen this year, like when things can be done. But yeah, we have goals. We, we're trying to figure out like the touring situation and when we can do live shows. We've um, got a, our UK tour rescheduled for uh, November. And we're really hoping that that's a safe timeline for things to go ahead. But um, like Phoenix says, we're kind of like just seeing what happens at this point. But the dates are rescheduled for November. The tickets are out there. Um, <laughs> we're rescheduling our USA tours for around the same time, November, December. Uh, and then we are, like I keep saying, we're recording and we're writing. So we're we're moving on to like the next release after this. and hoping that we can really make 2021 a super heavy touring year <laughs> and with a lot of videos and releases and cool stuff like that. So like always, we're just going to push forward and keep putting stuff out. So with, with a decade of experience now in the music industry, uh, what advice would you give your younger selves? So now that you've had 10 years of, of experience of training, lessons, relationships, uh, knowledge, all that stuff. What advice would you give your younger selves that are just, that would be just starting uh, 
to kind of collapse those time frames to get back to where you are now, but uh, as quickly as possible. Any lessons, anything you could share with your younger selves? And, you know, there's going to be some younger musicians that are going to listen to this episode. So they're going to take it as, hey, I'm just starting now. I could use this as well. For me personally, the best advice, I wish that young Mercedes had really let sink in is just because you are talented and just because are you know a good writer a good player all of that stuff it doesn't mean you deserve anything out there you have to go and get it it's not just going to happen to you like you may have this destiny planned out for you but you are the one that has to seize that destiny so the you're going to get out of your career what you put into your career and it's never too early to start grinding 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 i tell phoenix all the time like you know it doesn't feel like a job but we should treat this as a job like set hours for yourself every day as if you're self-employed and you know just really treat it like a job work as hard as you can from the very beginning because the truth is, even with all these dope opportunities coming your way, like if you get signed, if you have managers, booking agents, all this stuff, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you are the one that is going to propel your career. Mm-hmm. So just just work hard. Don't expect things to just happen to you because you deserve it. Like you need to go out and get it. <laughs> I'm sure young Mercedes would have appreciated that advice for sure. Uh, Phoenix, do you have any advice or hers was pretty good. Are we, are we sticking with hers? Pretty good. I, I mean, yeah, obviously I agree, uh, with what my sister just said, but yeah, I think it's important kind of, we touched on it before, but yeah, just to listen to yourself and yeah, it's like, especially when you're younger, you'll have people like me telling you how to do stuff and you know, like what you should be doing and you should listen to those people. But if it doesn't feel authentic, then I don't, I think you need to like trust your gut. There's so many things in life where your gut really tells you the right move or like if something is off and it it applies to music too, you know? So yeah, I think just follow your gut and follow your heart and you'll never be disappointed in what you create. That's all amazing advice. So as we wrap up the call, where can our listeners find you online? Whether they want to listen to your music, whether they want to uh, receive information from you, whether they want to somehow get in touch uh, through, I don't know, Instagram or Facebook. Uh, how, how, do, how does everyone find you and listen to your music? So we're pretty much everywhere on all the platforms. You can Except find- TikTok. No TikTok. Yeah. TikTok, not TikTok. We neglect TikTok, but yeah. Our, our TikTok <laughs> has thrived on our neglect recently. Um, but everywhere else, you can find our music on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, just wherever you listen to music, you can find it. Our videos are up on YouTube. Um, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, we've got Twitter. I check my um, Instagram pretty regularly. Uh, and then if you wanted to, Um, come to a tour date or get some merch or anything like that our website is ilovecouragemylove.com so everything you need to know is right there if you don't want to go to a million different places just go to our website you'll get it sorted perfect and uh, the instagrams and the facebook's and the twitters those are 
Courage My Love. Courage My Love. At Courage My Love. At Courage My Love. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the support. Uh, you, you gave some amazing answers. There was a lot of value there. I know uh, there's a lot of musicians that listen to the podcast. So uh, you're going to help propel forward the, the careers of a lot of young musicians. So thank you so much for being on the call, guys. Thanks for having Thank us. It was great. It was a good content. Yeah, and you're awesome to talk to. You have great questions, well thought out. So awesome job. <laughs> good job. Hey, thank you so much. All right, guys, we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Thank, Thank you. you so much. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and I'd love to hear from you guys. My goal is to grow this podcast organically where you're giving me feedback on topics you'd like me to cover and guests you'd like me to interview. You can reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Joelle Martin Mastery. Joelle is J-O-E-L and on Twitter at Joelle Mastery. So I am done. I am complete. I approve this message and I'll see you on the next episode.